All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 268. Video game Dame goes off against Houston. Russell Westbrook makes his debut in quite possibly the greatest regular season game ever played. Trey Young has his third new head coach coming in, and Drew and I hate a new possible rule. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode two sixty eight. How you feeling, Drew? How's the new crib? Are you getting adjusted? I know you, you're getting a new stove in there. You've been living off a crock pot for a minute. What's going on, dude? <laughs> yeah, man, it, it's good, man. We 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 love the the neighborhood. Uh, the house itself is is awesome. It's a you know, we we doubled our square footage, so that's always nice when you have a lot more space um you know especially with I'm, i work from home my wife works from home we just we needed to expand a little bit and uh we nailed it man we love the house love the neighborhood you know it's it's the funny part though like you know uh my folks and my wife's folks were just like you know home ownership it's great but it comes with a lot of stuff and lo and behold like the day after we closed on this house our microwave and oven combination just 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 hit the shit like it was like nope it was like, nah, we're not even, not even a little bit of working. It was like, I'm done. I retired. I waved the waved the white flag, and the, you know, the 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 appliance looks it. I mean, the house was built in 1990, and it looks like that was the original, you know, oven combo that that was that was installed back in the day. So it was time for an upgrade, but lean times as far as uh, <laughs> cooking goes in in Casa de Drew because you know oven and microwave neither work and we're just struggling look we still got the stove we got my I got a grill outside and we got an awesome toaster oven uh about a year ago from our our wedding registry that's coming in really handy right now but clips you know the big deal for me man is part of the reason we bought this house part of the reason I wanted to buy this house uh not so much for my wife is it's it's less than a mile from Wingstop so uh you best believe i've been i've been shelling out some cheese over there at the wing stop i've been a local customer uh to the point where i feel like they i you know when i go in it might be tonight i go in again they'll be like do you just want the regular i'll be like yes yeah give me the regular you know what i like and and let's dial it in but no love the house it's it's going good we can't wait for the oven to get here it's gonna be about 10 days 10 11 days yeah, well, my my housewarming gift to you was the, my recipe for Dr. Pepper ribs. You hit me up the other <laughs> night, and you know you like my Dr. Pepper ribs, so I, I gladly gave that to you. I also <laughs> said you need an air fryer. Everybody that owns an air fryer always says, yep. never live without. I'm telling you, bro, you love the chicken wings. You're going to love air fried chicken wings. I'm glad the house is dope. I'm looking forward to, down, to go down and see you. Yep. I want to let everybody know I'm still blind. My eye issue is back. I'm not hurting. It's too incredible. Much. It's, this is it's. I mean, we could do a whole podcast about Clips' health issues. I mean, this is we should almost break off and do a tangent episodes, uh, a secondary podcast about like your. Oh, my life is falling going. apart. Yeah, it, well, your health. <laughs> my health is falling apart. Uh, we kind of figured out what's going on with my eye, but they're doing. They're putting on tomorrow. They're doing a like this stem cell contact that's supposed to rebuild my cornea. 85% of my left cornea is gone right now. So people God think damn. that 
This is just like some small thing. It's a big deal. I have two contacts in my eyes. I can barely see. So my notes for this show, it's better. It's not hurting too much. So just pray for your boy tomorrow. Okay. But this is how, this is how much we love doing the show. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm falling apart. Drew's can't eat properly, but we still got to get a show out. And, you know, we're, we want to get into the Russell uh, Westbrook debut, the Clippers, the Lakers, other stuff going on in the NBA. But I think it's imperative to start with our boy Damian Lillard last night, dropping 71 points, mm. you know, 131, 114 win over the Rockets. Uh, Lillard was 13 for 22, three pointers. He's this is the eighth. He's the eighth player to do 70 or more in a game. And, you know, he's just been on this fucking tear. And that's yeah. all I can I can call it is a tear uh, uh, as of late. And, I you know, I want to break down a couple numbers really quick. So Damian Lillard's stats in the past 20 games, 38.9 points, five rebounds, seven assists. He's shooting 51% from the field goal, 40% from three, 96% from the free throw line. He's true shooting 71%. Uh, percent. He's averaging about five threes a game. Last night was absolutely incredible. And you could say all you want about it being against the Rockets and whatnot, but they were playing basketball. They were, th these were contested shots mm. uh, that he was making. And when he wasn't making contested shots, he was passing it off and then going off the ball to get the ball back, right. To hit his shot or go to the lane. He even had a bang out last night. I think it was on Jabari Smith jr. Right. Um, it was just a phenomenal game. And sometimes I think we know, how amazing Dame Lillard is, but sometimes it takes these kind of games to really put in perspective, like not only how hard is it to get 71 points, it's hard to get 71 points in a fucking video game. You know what I mean? Let alone a real NBA game against real NBA players. Um, the leg strength, the conditioning, everything that it takes to even play in the NBA. But I posted a video this morning just showing uh, Dame's approach to the game and how much prep he does, how hard he's worked his whole life. And it kind of just, it shows in his game. And I thought it was interesting. Damian Lillard has more 60 point games than Steph Curry, LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Timmy Duncan, Bill Russell, Kevin Durant combined. Wow. That is absolutely insane. So I don't know, think LeBron, LeBron's never scored 60. Has he? Uh, I'm, I don't know. I think, what is, I think his career high is like 58 or something. like. I don't think he's ever gotten to the 60 mark. Really? Had, was Shaq? I think Shaq has. Shaq? Magic? Shit, I don't even know. Bill Russell definitely probably didn't get but, 60. It just speaks to what you're saying. Like, it's right. hard to get 60 points. It's even harder to get 71. And we've seen it. And, and you know, he's the eighth player to do it. And the, 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 the players he's in this realm with is Wilt did it six times. Elgin Baylor, David Robinson. I was at that game. I talk yep. about that often. David Thompson, Kobe, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, and Dame. And Dom, uh, Dame did it, or excuse me, D Donovan did it this year as well. But I mean, we got to, as much as we're, we're going to give flowers to another player later, but like, let's give Dame some flowers here. 71. Mm. Uh, he's one of the, like Steph Curry, one of the most universally respected basketball players in the NBA. Everybody talks about the loyalty to Portland and, you know, he's up there with me as far as who I want to win a championship. Chris Paul, I really do want him to win a championship, but Dame's yep. right up there with him. So what's your takeaway from that game last night? Well, I think. I'm going to steal something from JJ here because uh, JJ Redick, uh, you know, has, has recently been talking about Dame and he said he's the best guard in the NBA right now, as far as just, you know, just recency bias, right? Just take a look at what he's done over the last two months, the last 20 games or so. And I, I, I want to stamp that. I mean, that is 100% accurate. Like he is doing, 
everything possible to get this team a win. And sometimes they fall short, right? Like sometimes they still, even with these, these tremendous performances, they still can't get over the hump and get a, get a win. Um, so it makes me wonder like, you know, what else, what else do they need? Right. Like, I, I don't know. That's just where I go is like, they, you know, they got the Jeremy Grant edition. They got Thibel. They got Cam, Cam Reddish and Thibel, Thibel, whatever. Cam Reddish is there now. Uh, you know, Nurkic is still hanging around. Anthony Simons is, is a good young player. They, it seems like they should have enough to be better, but they're just not. And I, it just, it feels, um, I feel sad. I feel a little sad for Dame that he's kind of, in this situation where it just doesn't seem like any of this hard work is going to pay off in anything other than these tremendous single single individual type of performances. So I, I want to definitely tip the cap, as you said, you know, 13 threes, number one, that's hard to do. 71 points against any NBA team is still an unbelievable feat, even though it is the lowly Houston Rockets that they went up against. Um, so I don't know, man, I, I there's nothing else for me to say. <laughs> Other than it's a, it's an absolutely tremendous performance, and I want to go back to the you know the podcast that we did after Donovan Mitchell came out and dropped seventy one, and I think this is not going to be the last time we see seventy points, right? Like that's kind of what we were talking about after Donovan did it. It's like in today's NBA, if you get hot and you're one of those guys that the team wants you to you know needs you to keep shooting, needs you to score. You can have these nights where you just keep going, keep going, keep going. I think this is only the beginning for these types of numbers, these outpouring of numbers. And I wouldn't be surprised before the season is over if somebody else pops into the certainly 60, uh, but but even potentially into this, you know, this unbelievable 70 point threshold. And it could be Damien with the way that he's playing. I, like I said at the beginning of what I was saying, JJ Reddick's 100 percent correct. J there is nobody offensively as a guard right now playing better than Damian Lillard. How close do you think Dame and Steph are as far as skill set and how good they are at basketball? Like, do you think, cause I was thinking about that today. Like they're yeah. kind of neck. Everybody wants to say, you know, Steph Curry ruined basketball, but Damian Lillard has been playing like Steph Curry, the same way of Jack and threes and, you know, uh, long distance threes and all that. But uh, you know, who's got a bigger bag. Do you think? I, I mean, obviously, Steph has the chips and, and the playoff right. resume and all that and putting that all to the side. But like, yeah. how close are these two guys as far as skill set and how good they are? Well, I think a, a, an easy way for me to go about that is like if you swapped Steph and Dame, right? If you just if you just take the last 10 years, you put Damian Lillard on the on the Warriors. I think they still have a very, very unbelievable, successful team, right? Like yeah. you just think about that. And that yeah. they do it in different ways. I think that's pretty apparent, right? Dame is very much like, give me the ball. I will create the shot, right? He uses a lot of high pick and roll. He uses a lot of that step back, but it's a lot of him getting into his shit, right? Let me, let me, let me get my bet. I'll bring the ball up. Everybody kind of get out of the way and let me do my stuff. Steph is very much within the flow of the game, which is why Draymond Green continues to be very important for the Warriors and why he was an all-star essentially. I mean, like Draymond does a lot of good stuff on the defensive end, but without his connectivity in the offensive end, I think uh, the Warriors don't necessarily have this, the amount of success that they've had. Uh, so I, I, it's hard, hard for me to push against Steph Curry. I still believe Steph's arguably the most talented offensive player we've ever seen, but I think in like a one-on-one -on -one type of scenario, 
I might take Damian Lillard over Steph Curry, but that would just be an awesome, awesome one-on-one. I would love nothing more than to watch that because neither of those guys are defensive stoppers in any capacity. So I don't think, I think it would be like, all right, whoever has the ball first, like wins, (laughs) wins one-on-one kind of one of those things. But I would say Dame has the edge when it comes to his ability to just by himself create a shot, a good look, whether that's driving to the basket, he finishes with much more authority than Steph Curry ever has and is much more of an athlete uh, in that capacity. Uh, But, you know, I still, I think I would lean Steph just because he does things that nobody else can do, including Damian Lillard. Yeah. When you think about, you know, that draft, that Steph Curry draft and thinking about like, would Portland be same mediocre Portland if they had Steph Curry for the past 10 years. But like, what if Steph Curry was in Minnesota, even though they effed that up twice, not taking him, you know, shout out to Johnny Flynn. Um, it's just, it's just fun to think about. And you know what, if Bam Adebayo gets his wish and, and the, the all-star game will be, will consist of one-on-one, you never know. We might be able to see it at some point. And that would definitely make the all-star game a much better game to watch. We're not talking all-star on this one. So yep. I just, that game last night was insane. And just, if, if you go back and look at the last 20 games from Damian Lillard, it's just, the numbers are crazy. He's doing everything within his power to, uh, you know, pull these guys to victory and whatnot. And, you know, last year with the uh, the abdominal issues, he really wasn't the same guy. He was short on a lot of shots, but now he looks fully healthy. Um, You know, just watching him move off the ball last night, everything that he was doing was insane. And, you know, Dame time's a real thing. Dame time, Dame Dalla, video game, Dame, whatever you want to call him, because that's what he was last night was a video game. So uh, this might not be the last 70 point game from Damian Lillard either. Like we're thinking about the next guy to get it. It it might be him again. So shout out to Dame Lillard. Uh, I kind of want to take a a, a trip, a time machine trip, bro. You ready? You want to go back to 1983 with me real quick? Yeah, hold on real quick. LeBron has had a 60 point game. Oh, thank you. One 60 point game. It was 61 points that he scored in the 2013, 2014 season in Miami. Was it a win? I don't know. Ah, it's all it's a good when it's a win. There'll always be that asterisk next to Devin Booker, right? Because I think he oh, got yeah. the L in that. It's, yeah. it's, it's always better when you win. So put on your seatbelt, Drew. Can I take you back to December 13th, 1983? Yes, please. All right. It's cold day. Cold day in Colorado, right? The Pistons are playing the Denver Nuggets triple overtime victory uh, <laughs> for the Pistons, 186-184. Both teams have two players go over 40 points. Pistons have Isaiah Thomas that dropped 47. John Long drops 41 for the Pistons. Kiki gets 51. Alex English Alex English gets 47 for the Nuggets. Each team, Drew, made exactly one three-pointer in that Wow. Game. One. No okay. way. One, three, one lowly three-pointer for both teams in the highest game ever played. 186-184 triple overtime victory for the Pistons. Flash forward. 40 years. We're going to talk about this. This Russell Westbrook Clipper debut on Friday night, man. And it was one of these nights, Drew, where I I wasn't I wasn't planning on drinking at all because I, you know, I got an early day the next day. <laughs> and this game to me, and I'm not I'm not sugarcoating anything. I think that uh, I've seen thousands of basketball games. I've watched thousands. I've seen every freaking Clipper game the past 30 years. Uh, this not only was the best regular season game I've watched. This is the best game I've, I've, it's not the best regular season Clipper game I've ever watched. This was the best game I've ever watched. Right. And, you know, some of my favorite Clipper games obviously stem from like the comebacks, the 35 point comebacks, the 25 point comeback against Memphis in the playoffs. Like those are some of my favorite games, but this game was insane. 
And I want to start first, Drew, with I want to give props to Sacramento. Mm. We all see them at the top of the list. They've been third for a while now in the West. Um, a lot of people have been expecting, including myself, for them to start sliding down, kind of like what happened with Utah, what happened with Portland. But after watching these guys, guys a few nights, and especially in this game in particular, they really do have a, a solid squad. And they're, they remind me of, I don't know where I'm leaning towards, but they remind me of a young Golden State team when they were coming into their prime. And they remind me a little bit of, of Memphis right now, right? They got a bunch of cocky dudes on their team who come out to play every single night. They can shoot, right? Uh, defense isn't bad, but I think what we're seeing is this maturity level in De'Aaron Fox that's taking him, you know, he came into the NBA at 19. I think he went away. He's 25 right now. There was a lot of questions about him early. Like, is he just an athlete? Yes. He's super fast, but can he control the pace of a game? Can he, you know, can he create around the rim? Can he, does he have a floater? Is he just going to rely on speed like Derek Rose and Westbrook for the rest of his career? And just particularly specifically in this game, I saw a maturity level in De'Aaron Fox that I haven't seen in him in a long time. And he's turning himself into a bona fide, very good point guard. Obviously, he's on the all-star team. This team is quick. You can go up nine on them quick, and within 35 seconds, it can be it's a tie game. And this happened in that game a lot. Yes. So yeah. before, before we get into the Clipper side of things, what's your take on Sacramento? Well, I'll just I, I want to double down on your your sentiment on the on the game itself this was an awesome game to watch and i do feel bad for all of those east coast people Man. that were sleeping they were definitely sleeping through this game it's like oh clippers kings like who gives a shit but this game mattered and that was pretty clear to both sides it mattered for seating right because it's the three against the four it matters for the pacific division which is really important for tiebreakers as we get into the playoffs so it was a it was an important game for both teams and i think you know uh the way that Kawhi Leonard has been playing, which again, we'll get into, it was, a, it was a tough task for the Sacramento team. They were coming in uh, all the buzz about Russell Westbrook the stadium seemed to be packed and ready to go. And, and the Clippers again, were, were up for the task. Uh, but the Sacramento team is awesome to watch. They are so fucking fun. They're fast. And I know that you talked about a couple teams that they remind you of to me, this is, this is the 2023 version of those Suns teams with D'Antoni. This is that they, they are playing seven seconds or less all the time. They are number one in the NBA in shots taken before 14, like with, with 14 seconds or more on the shot clock. They are shooting the ball. They are getting up the court and they are moving. And then when they have nights like they did against the Clippers, where shots are, they're just draining shots. Like everyone was on fire. Clearly, both sides were on fire to get to get that level of scoring, uh, even though it did go into double overtime. Um, it is amazing to watch. De'Aaron Fox, I'll go off of that because that's who you brought up. He he's turned himself into a very efficient basketball player. Uh, I think in the past, some of the some of the problems that we have had in the, in the majority of the people that watch the Kings is like he was. Uh, always dribbling into trouble, dribbling into dribbling into cul-de-sacs, not waiting, not being patient. And I think his patience has really elevated, even though he moves fast. Right? There's like that old John Wooden saying, uh, "You know, you you don't want to. What is it? Clips, help me out. You don't want to uh, move quickly, but don't be in a rush. I think that's what it is. Something move fast, but don't be in a rush. Something along those lines. Okay. Uh, apologies to the goat, John Wooden." For fumbling that, and we need Bill Walden here. He would quote he would quote it word for word for me. But I think you understand what I'm trying to yes. say here is 
he 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 notices now when the game is in the flow when he can push that gas pedal and go 100 miles an hour and then when he can ease off of that and get that little elbow jumper or get that little floater or get the ball moving right and i think also with this team he really trusts everyone on the squad right they they have a team that even in this clipper game it was really just him and malik monk who i think we're probably going to talk about next uh, that were really doing the scoring, right? 42 from Don, uh, De'Aaron Fox, 45 from Monk. Uh, and Sabonis was in foul trouble for the majority of the game, honestly, like even, even the first couple quarters. And then definitely he fouled out of the game at the end. Um, so I think there's a level of trust and experience that only time in the NBA will give someone like De'Aaron Fox. So it's nice to see that he is, uh, you know, learned over the years, taken, uh, you know, serious considerations into into his game into improving and and the last thing i'll say is he is uh i believe number one or number two in clutch points in the nba and he's up in the top five of fourth quarter scoring and that is decision that's decision making right that is that's what that is that's decision making and obviously a lot of confidence in your own abilities uh so the truth of the matter is we have a world-class athlete in De'Aaron fox still i think arguably the fastest guy in the nba who now knows how to throttle and go shift through gears and has continued to improve his jump shot and his ability to finish at the rim. So fantastic performance, one of the best games in, in NBA history. And uh, I guess the very last thing I'll say is that when you, when you don't watch that game, if you were one of those people that woke up in the morning and you didn't stay up for it and you look at the score, you'd be like, Jesus Christ, like, was there no defense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was probably some times where the defense wasn't like amazing, wasn't super stout. I, I actually think Kawhi uh, was not the 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 formidable defender that we saw out of the in the following game against Denver Nuggets. Uh, but there was moments where I was like, man, like I would love to see some more defense. But the truth of the matter is, guys were knocking down shots and the ball was flying up and down that court. There's only so much defense you can play in seven seconds. I totally agree. For anybody that says there was no defense played, there was there was defense played, but but shots were just falling. That's what it was. They were getting jacked and falling. The Clippers had 80 points at the half. And I'm like, there's yep. no way they turn this into normally when that happens in an NBA game, you get 80 at the half. Normally you end up finishing the game with like 106, right? Something <laughs> happens. Right. Well, it's also normally a blowout. When one right. team scores 80, the other team's got like 45 or, or 50. It's not 80 to 76 at half, which is what I think it was for this game. Right. So a couple takeaways from the Clipper side on this, you know, we brought up in the last show that I I really thought Russell was going to bring a different kind of energy into the crowd. Right. And you mentioned it at the top of what you were saying. There was, there was a 100% Mm. different energy in that crowd. I could tell, I watch all of these games. I know when the fans are excited, they were loud. They were extremely happy to have Russell there. I told you we were going to embrace this guy. Right. And I, and look, it's been two games. All right. And these are two games that we should have won against two teams that would, this could have skyrocketed us in not skyrocketed, but beating, beating, yeah. The, the Kings and Denver in two games, we'd be in the second seed right now or third seed right now, third, right, yeah. right around right. there. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not upset at either one of the games. I thought Russell was great opening night. Yes. He had a couple, he had his turnovers and whatnot, but I thought he was great. He's exactly what we're looking for. Um, in the Denver game, I thought he was good too. Uh, we should have won that game as well, but going, but specifically from this Sacramento game, this game that Kawhi Leonard played, was an absolute masterpiece. Okay. This was Beethoven working that game. Everything he did was phenomenal. Okay. And this, there was, look, I know you guys think I'm a Homer, but 
you don't compare people to Kobe and to Mike a lot, but there's a couple of these moves. He did one of these, these fake spin back from the left to the right fadeaway jumper. That yeah. was just so Mike. That was in like the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I've yeah. never seen that way. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was double, a, spin. a double yeah. spin. And it was look when this guy's legs are balanced and he's set, it, it's pretty much a bucket every single time. And just what he was doing. It's so sad that Kawhi has two of these elite games where we come up with L's right <laughs> now. It's funny because a lot of Clipper Nation, like especially after last night's loss to Denver, they're coming out. Oh, well, Clippers are 0 and 2 in the Westbrook in the Westbrook uh, era. And I'm like, look, chill. There's a there was a lot of issues with both of these games right in the in the Sacramento game, dude, it was 40. There was uh, uh, 42 points off 25 turnovers, right? Yes. 88 points in the paint allowed 41 points allowed on fast break. It's embarrassing. Okay. With some of this shit. And yes, there's turnovers. There's dumbass turnovers from Paul George. He's not going to get a pass on all this either. Okay. We should have won that game. I'm sad. We didn't. I said the reason why I had, I drank after the first overtime. Cause I'm like this shit, there's no way. Okay. I just want to go to bed, you know, but I think we need to, Paul George said at the beginning of the year, and I brought this up on the show that, Hey, we, we need to stay locked in. We're focused. And I mm. think there's, there's times where we're not locked in and focused. And Paul is one of the guys, there was two turnovers in particular in that game that were so boneheaded and so lackadaisical, like it, like this play didn't matter. Right. Yeah. It would it be so, it's so frustrating. I'm sure Kawhi was frustrated yep. and uh, the rest of the team and Ty Lue, but like, look in that, in that Sacramento game, with 358 left in the fourth quarter, the Clippers had a 99.7% chance of winning. You guys are up by 13. Up by 13 points. Yeah. And then what, what happens? Westbrook misses one of his layups. Westbrook out of bounds, uh, uh, lost the ball. George lost the ball, turnover. Fox gets the steal. George, bad pass. Keegan Murray steals it. Powell, offensive foul. Batum missed three point. Another Batum missed three point. It's not Russell Westbrook, okay? Yeah, he's part of it, but it's it's collective, man. Yeah. And another thing that I want to get rid of if we're or that I want to talk about is if I try to keep it real, man, I kept it real with Reggie when Reggie was, was lagging and uh, not performing. And the fact that he needed to be off of the floor, there's this infatuation that, that Ty Lu has with Marcus Morris senior right Oof. now. Okay. And Marcus has been really bad. Okay. He's not in the minutes that he's playing. Look, the last five games, uh, zero points, oh, sorry, six points, nine points, four points, six points, 15 points, right? He's playing 35 minutes. He's, he's getting all of the minutes that either Nico Batum should be getting Rocco Rocco. Who's not even getting off of the bench, right? Something needs to change here. And I just think that we like, we need to, we need to call it what it is. Marcus is, it's not working right now. Uh, Nico's been great, right? Mm. Nico's been absolutely great. Uh, we need to give, I think we need to give him more time, but he's, but he's really good off the bench. You know what I mean? With, with the second unit guys. So in the game last night against Denver, uh, Nick, Nico Batum was plus 10 in 21 minutes. Bones Highland was plus eight in 15 minutes. Terrence Mann was plus five in 25 minutes, but then Batum plays three seconds in the fourth, zero, zero in OT. Terrence Mann played six, six forty-five in the fourth, one thirty-eight in overtime. Bones Highland, who's returning home, he had a chip on his shoulder. 308 in the fourth, 103 in, in OT, and that 103 was garbage time. So I'm not saying that Ty Lue's making bad decisions. I understand that you need to make th – this is a big adjustment. You have to find out what rotations are going to work. And we are so freaking deep 
that we have to find the right balance, right? Zubak hasn't been playing either. So Mason Plumlee is starting, right? And so if you want to, this is the takeaway, Drew. Sorry, I'm rambling a little bit. We should have won both of these games, okay? Even in the Denver game last night. The last time we we played these guys, they beat us by 50. They have the the the, the 50 points, Drew. Yeah. And we should have won the game last night with, uh, you know, it, it came down to a Jamal Murray half-court shot where the the rebound just goes the wrong way. Yep. And we weren't locked in to get the rebound. MPJ gets the, gets the shot, the three, and that's the, that's the game. I think both of the games that we played against two very good basketball teams, one being the best team in the West with the best player in basketball, arguably, uh, and Mason Plumlee being our starting center, I think the Clippers played very well. And I love what Mason's bringing to the floor. Also, Eric Gordon shouldn't have been playing the minutes he was playing last night. He wasn't performing. We need to be able to realize, Ty needs to realize when these guys aren't hitting. Clipper Nation can tell right off the bat when Marcus Morris is going to have a really bad yeah. game. Yeah. Okay, You could tell too, he took those first, his first three threes were, were not even close. Those were not Marcus Morris three-pointers. You need to pull him and bring somebody else in that's going to bring some value. Rocco is our one of our top defenders, if not the best defender, and he could shoot the three-point bucket. But I'm not going to put it all on Ty Lue. I'm not going to put it all on Paul George, but even Paul George missed some two very big free throws in that Sacktown game. So we just can't give Paul George a pass. And I think Russell has been, has been fine. I'm, I'm happy with it. He brings us something completely different. Um, I'm not pissed off, Drew. I know a lot of people are. Yeah. I'll start with the, the Westbrook stuff. The, the Sacramento game is a quintessential Russell Westbrook performance. It's, it's the good and the bad. It, and it, it's a very normal Westbrook game, right? He had a bunch of rebounds, seven turnovers, made some really great uh, drives to the basket where he did finish at the rim and the, and the layup went in, missed some layups. It's just one of those things. Um, and I do think, look, it's been two games since you have this whole new roster shift, right? Or wait, maybe three. But it, I, giving Ty Lu some time mm. to iron out, like, who who's hitting, who's not, and like, how do we how do we – get everyone involved, but still have like a decent rotation where people can expect a role and be ready to play. Um, I, so starting with Russ, I don't think he was the reason that you guys lost both the games. I think he was a part of, like you said, you illustrated that, that like that last three minutes of regulation mm -hmm. in the Sacramento game where he, he was a problem. Right. But also within that, he made, I think he made two layups mm -hmm. that were kind of important to push you over the edge. Uh, and he ended up fouling out. Uh, wrongly fouling wrongly, out as the, yes. as the refs point out at the, at the two minute report uh, after that came out. Um, so you look, I, I don't think uh, Russell was the reason that you lost either game. I do think he was a part of it, just like the rest of the team outside of Kawhi Leonard, who is, I mean, if we want to talk about Damian Lillard being the best guard, I, there's no forward playing better than Kawhi Leonard right now. What he did in that third quarter, of that Sacramento game was historic. I just, I, Every shot was just boom, boom, boom. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, and it was it's so fun to watch him go off when he's when he's doing that thing, right? And uh, so look, despite of Kawhi's performances, you take a losses to two good teams. Let's just be real. This isn't like you lost to uh, Oklahoma City or, or or Houston or San Antonio. These are these are contenders right now. Playoff, certainly playoff players, and and with the Nuggets, championship contenders. So. Uh, and I think that Denver game, uh, I didn't get to watch all of it, but I got to see the majority of the highlights and all that good stuff. It looked like a hell of a show. I'm going to watch mm. it tonight. I have it on the DVR. 
so I, I think that matchup is something that we can look forward to potentially seeing in the playoffs, which is, should be pretty scary for Clippers fans because Jokic is just a nightmare for you guys. But he's he is our kryptonite, dude. Yeah, I, I want to say something really quick and let you keep going about Russell. One thing that I noticed um, is a lot of those, and he had 14 dimes, okay? Yep. And, and what I noticed is those dimes that he was giving to, to Kawhi and to PG were right in the wheelhouse, right where Kawhi likes to catch it, right where Paul George likes to catch it. There was a lot of catch-and-shoot threes yep. that were started by Russell, and the Clippers have not had that with Reggie or with Terrence Mann. They're, they just weren't those kind of guys yet. So Russell yep. was very good at putting it in the wheelhouse and getting them into their stroke to make those kind of shots. So just yep. wanted to point that out. Continue. Yep. It's not a coincidence that his first game is the game that the Clippers go for the record number of threes scored in, in franchise history. It's not a coincidence. That was something that he definitely was a, a huge proponent of getting guys shots in their spots, just like you said. Um, and so, again, it, it's the good and the bad of Russell Westbrook all rolled up into one. Right. You got to take the good with the bad when you have Russ. But I think there is something there where, uh, you know, who would have been. The guy, if you don't, let's just say you don't have Russ, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say you don't do the buyout uh, move for Russell Westbrook. Then we're looking at Terrence Mann. Then we're looking at Bones Highland being in those positions. And who knows how they do in that, in those roles, driving to the basket with, you know, a lot of like, you know, just like Russ with a, with a head full of steam and he's just going a hundred miles an hour and then making the smart kick out. I don't know if T man or if Eric Gordon or Bones Highland would be able to do that. And most likely they don't because that's what separates Russ from most other players in the NBA is that level of commitment, that level of aggressive play. Um, so the rotation thing, the Marcus Morris thing is, is, is essentially what, what you were talking about. And you know, I like Morris. You do. I think, I think you're probably one of the bigger fans of, of Marcus. Um, and I think he has served the Clippers very well. But I think it's okay to realize, like you said, let's just watch Mar Marcus in the first half. Let's watch it, right? Mm -hmm. Ty Lue especially, and then get get one assistant coach. Be like, let's let's really let's chart out Marcus's play for the first mm -hmm. half. And if it's locked in and it's good and he's hitting, let's let him go free in the second. If it's not, it's time to put Rocco in the game, because at the very least, you're getting a plus defender. And a guy who can make just as many good shots as Marcus Morris, he's not going to create his own shot, but he can still catch and shoot a three really well. And, and then you're going to get a plus rebounder, plus defender over Marcus Morris. So I think that's a very easy fix. But it, it does take uh, Ty Lue kind of laying the law down and being like, look, man, we're going to see if you have it. And if you have it, we're going to let you go. If, if you don't have it, you're going to be sitting over here next to me. And uh, and for him, especially, he's not going to be happy about it, but he, you, you have to understand it's a team game. Right. So and and, and you have a gem in, in Robert Covington just sitting there literally getting no minutes at all. So I do think uh, especially when the, when the playoffs come around, you know, we 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 hail Ty Lue as being one of the best in-game coaches, uh, one of the best playoff coaches. And I think that will show out for the Clippers. And the nice part about it is it's not like you only have Marcus, right? So you don't have to live and die with him. And I think that's something that you're trying to say as well is like, let's try some other shit. Uh, and I do think missing Zubak, while he's not going to be, you know, the necessarily the difference maker or the Jokic stopper or the Sabonis stopper in those two games, his minutes are very valuable. And he does bring something to the table that Mason Plumlee does not. And that is a level of post scoring. Mason Plumlee can score and run, you know, run uh, a fast break really well. He can set a nice pick and roll and he's a great finisher at the rim, but he cannot 
score in the post. You give him the ball in the post, he's going to turn and fire it, which is nice. Turn and fire it to the other opposite side for an open three, and hopefully that goes in. With Zubak, you get him in a good spot. He can do a, a couple little moves and get that jump hook going or hard drop step to the baseline and get a dunk if he needs to. So, And his free throw shooting, I think, is tremendous as well for, for the Clippers. Uh, so, look, 0-2 with, Russ, with, with, with Russell Westbrook on the team is a great headline, right? That's a nice clickbait headline. But I think it says more about the teams they were playing against and the situations within the game than it does about Russell Westbrook. I totally agree. And I don't want I don't want Clipper Nation to automatically start what the Lakers did. Like we're already trying to do the scapegoat. Like <laughs> it's all Russell's fault already. Like well, that's because probably because half of the half of the Clipper fans were like, I don't know. I don't know if we should do it. The other mm-hmm. half were like, yeah, let's go. Maybe it was a different percentage, but you understand there's a portion of the Clippers fans that were very excited about Russ. And right. there was a portion that was very skeptical, which is normal. <laughs> it's normal. But I don't think he was, the, he was the scapegoat in these games. I don't think it was his play that really turned the tank. I mean, you could point to that the, the last three minutes and be like, well, he did some pretty bad stuff right. in the last three minutes of that the Kings game. But outside of that, man, he was good. But so did everybody. We all made exactly. bonehead decisions all the way to Ty Lue in the substitutions. It, it's everybody. It's a collective thing. It's just so sad that two of these games that that Kawhi has been playing are, are mm. L's and that we could have won. So it is frustrating. But I would be the first one to say, "Oh shit, this ain't gonna work." I think it's. I think it's gonna work. I really do. I'm hoping. Well, and that let's it does. let's take it. Let's take it one step back because he didn't play in the fourth quarter or in overtime. Also. Right. 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 So like, if you're gonna blame Russell Westbrook. Uh, for that Denver loss, then, then, then you didn't watch the game, right? Then you weren't, you weren't paying attention because he Mm -hmm. did not play when it came to fourth quarter and OT. And he has been from what I saw a a pretty good cheerleader when he's on the bench when, and he's taking his medicine when Ty doesn't have him in the, on the court. I think I I mentioned on the last show, you know, that we had discussed on how his joy was gone and he didn't look like he was having fun. And yes, it's, this is, it's a very small sample size. Everybody wants to fuck on the first date, right? So you're on your best <laughs> mood, your best behavior. No, it's true though. But it looks like, you know, even in those practices leading up to that, uh, that mm. opening night game for him on Friday, it just looked like he was much happier. He does look very engaged on the bench. Uh, he looks like he's participating in all aspects. He didn't pout. He didn't go to the end of the bench when he wasn't playing. But yes, it's the first week. Uh, how is he going to be able to take this in the weeks coming? Because honestly, man, Terrence Mann is playing really good basketball. And uh, I hope he gets more minutes. I just, there's something that I, I don't see Terrence Mann as a starting point guard. When we need him to be, when there's injuries, I'm fine with it. I think he's great off the bench. And I think he he will be very good off the bench. He's playoff proven in, in his own yep. way. So I mean, 41, <laughs> 41, 41 against the Jets. <laughs> he, he got it. He, he won the series for he us. Did. You know what I'm saying? He man, coming in so, the clutch. I think I, we got we got we got Minnesota tomorrow. I think that's going to be a better look for us. I we got to get a win though. Another win, yeah. That's a, that's another one you need to actually get a win for right there. Mm-hmm. It would have been nice to get the Kings win or or the Nuggets or both, but that minute the Minnesota game you have to you have to take a win away from that for sure. Right. So let's go to the other the other side of the the locker room before man. we before we leave the Clippers. I do want to I want to go back to the Kings. I, I there was one thing that I wanted to talk about about them. It'll be quick, but. Um, while, while we were praising the Kings for that incredible performance and, and pulling out a huge win in double overtime against the Clippers, there is a flaw within their game. And I think you probably noticed it as well is, is when Sabonis is not on the court, they shut, they, they're, they're terrible on defense. And even when he's on the court, 
they're not good on defense, right? So like they, they play hard, they move fast, and then offense can cover up a lot of the problems, a lot of the flaws on the defensive end. But if they're going to make a run, if they're going to be a contender for the playoffs, uh, for, for the championship this year, they got to figure that shit out because they have no rim protection to speak of at all, zero, even with Sabonis in the game. And then when Metu comes in, he's too, he's too thin. He's not tall enough. He doesn't, he doesn't do enough on the defensive end. So I do think that's where their problems are. And a, a part of the reason why I like the comparison back to the Suns with D'Antoni and Nash and Amari, because they would play small ball. Amari was only about 6'10 at the best day. And so I think uh, the Kings need to figure out something on defense, right? The offense can go and go and go, and they can outscore anybody. I, I truly believe in a night like that, they can outscore anybody. But when it when the playoffs start, that's when you got you to play some fucking defense. You got to defend the rim. Yeah, well, first of all, you mentioned champion, championship. I don't see them even competing for a championship. They need to get to the playoffs first. They've been well, they're the, the three seed, though. Years. So we assume, they're, they're soon, we assume playoffs will be in their picture, right? It's a big deal that they're going to be in the playoffs. But if the, in a three seed, they have home court advantage. You would assume that they would be able to win whether, whatever the first round is. And then once you get to the second round, you best believe they're competing for a championship in the second round of the playoffs. I, I, I get that. I'm just like, they uh, still to this day, I understand that game was wild. I would love to see Sacramento in the playoffs. Oh, I yeah. Really would. I would give me Sacramento, give me Dallas. Sure. And you had mentioned like the plus minus with, with Sabonis on and off the floor. It's kind of the same thing with Denver. Like when, when, mm. when, when Joker's on the floor, they're like plus 13 when he's off they're minus five minus six something like that yeah. and I, I was thinking you know there there is no like cheat code for for Giannis and for and I mean for look this is what I'm trying to say here like there's no game plan for Joker you can't go into a game like oh we need to do this to to make uh Joker less of a, a of an issue on offense and defense with Giannis and Embiid instead you can at least go in and be like okay let's try to get him to shoot jumpers right let's get him to fall in love with the three that's the only way you can kind of I'm throwing air quotes stop Giannis or stop Embiid with Joker there is no cheat code mm-hmm. this guy can you can't plan for Joker he <laughs> is that freaking good in everything he does yeah. minus that little stupid flop he did on 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 Kawhi, Kawhi that I posted that was so <laughs> so weird right the only Chico for Jokic is is Embiid that okay well that's what it is yeah you need an Embiid uh, D- Denver is just so good they are so scary I've said it all year uh and it all starts with with Joker and and Zubak has such a hard time with Joker I do not want to see these guys in the playoffs but we just got to get our shit together Clippers get it together find the right rotations and and you know Paul George man I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have these last two <laughs> but I, I I need you to really really focus here man because we 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 need him locked in 100% because it's it's obvious to everybody that watches basketball Kawhi Leonard's locked in and mm. he is a scary ass player when he's locked in we need everybody how beautiful was that game though dude I mean I, seriously I, I that's one's I'm it's, saving that one on the DVR that one's not getting erased I, I, I'll save it if, if the DVR technology exists when I have a children I will be like <laughs> here's here's the game here's here's the best basketball NBA regular season game that you could ever hope to watch. And you know what? Every time you watch a Chicago Bull game, everybody's like, oh, when they talk about DeMar, they're like king of the mid-range. I'm like, yeah, dude, he's good. <laughs> but have you, did you see what this guy's doing? He's that net. And the three-point shot, everything just everything looks great. I need the Clippers to win this game on, on uh, uh, tomorrow, actually. So let's move on really quick to your Lakers. Uh, they are looking much better. They, they're they're vibing right now. Jared Van, Vanderbilt had a great game. Uh, you were down 27 against Dallas. I'm so not sold on Dallas, though. You shouldn't have been down 27 on these guys anyways. Yep. But 
uh, they, lo and behold, they, they can't play defense. Anthony Davis has a, has a nice game. Uh, Vanderbilt has a nice game. You guys have uh, what won three in a row, right? Is that what it is? Uh, I think we lost the last, uh, yeah, I think it is three in a row. We lost to Portland and then we've won the last three. That's, I think that's right. Yeah. Right. So what's your take on them right now? Are you liking the vibes? I mean, we got to talk oh, yeah. about this LeBron injury possibly. We saw some limp sure. in LeBron. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think we can skip over the Warriors win. I feel bad for Steph. That that was just not that was not a cool Warriors performance. Um, but Steph is supposed to be back soon, so we'll say that. It looks like Draymond had an issue. It looks like he's getting an MRI. It came back clear though. Oh, he's, he's good. Going okay. to practice right. tomorrow. They just need Steph. That's all they need. They need Steph, and then and then we can like if Steph's out there and they're still looking like they did against the Lakers, then then there's a big problem. But when Steph's back, uh, we'll see we'll see what happens to the Warriors. They're obviously going to be in a sprint. That's what it is right now, Clips. It's the fucking sprint to the finish line right now. And I, I know we're burying the headline because Dame is great and we had to talk about Russell Westbrook. But the truth of the matter is, Lakers included, it's th- it's it's 13 and up. Everyone seemingly is sprinting for that at least play-in, play-in contention spot. And we do expect a couple to slide out, hopefully for the Lakers fans, for all of us. We hope Oklahoma City and Utah just go, okay, fine, that was fun. We had a lot of we had a blast, guys. But let you know, let's not be in the play in and, and they fall out, and then both Portland and the Lakers can vault themselves in to the top ten seeds. But even if Utah and Oklahoma City say no, we're 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 going for this. We have enough draft picks. We like what we got. Let's get these guys some playoff minutes. Let's get these guys some playoffs uh, reps, and we're going to go for it. The Lakers are going to be in the play in. I've been saying this since the trade happened, and even though D'Angelo Russell had a weird tweak of the ankle in that Warrior game and and did not play against uh, Dallas, we were still able to come back down from 27, which is exactly what you said. It's the first time this season that something like that has been accomplished, even though the Clippers have come back from larger deficits than that in recent years. This year, teams were 0-138 when down by 27 or more during this regular season, which also speaks to like, how is that? How has there been 138 games where teams have been down by 27 or more? That's not a great regular season product. NBA cough, Adam silver. Got to figure that shit out. Uh, But the reason we were down 27 to this weird Dallas team is we were just ice cold. We, we were ice fucking cold out there trying to shoot anything. Couldn't make free throws. Couldn't make layups. Couldn't make three pointers and all of that. We, we did. We clawed back. And Clips, this is something that I haven't seen out of the Lakers in quite some time, is typically when that shit goes down, we're down 27, and I think we brought it back to maybe 16 or something like that at halftime. We just like, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to win this one. We'll, we'll, we'll move on to the next game, and we'll get all the bench guys out there. Uh, but this was a great battle back against a team that's, that's, that's good, I guess, decent. Uh, they have uh, really talented scorers on that team and, and Luca and Kyrie undoubtedly, uh, but they can't play defense and they have nothing in forms of, in, in the form of uh, being able to guard Anthony Davis. And that showed out Anthony Davis had a fantastic performance. LeBron, uh, you know, did his thing to, to an extent and realized the jumper was not falling, even though he didn't hit a big three for us in the, in the, down the stretch in the fourth quarter was jumper was not falling. And that has been the case for some time now with LeBron, but he puts his head down. Let's go to the rim. We're going to the basket. And these are all great things that the Lakers are now doing with this new look team. And I would be remiss if I mentioned any other names outside of those two before I mentioned Jared Vanderbilt, the steal of the trade deadline. 
Jared Vanderbilt, bro, is is who I'm giving my flowers to. I'm going to give it early and I'm going to give it again. I'm, he's getting oh. two bouquets from Drew in this episode because he deserves all of the flowers. My dude is Hustle. His name should be spelled Hustle. Like I, it, it, his nickname is the Vandalorian. I don't know why. He's a huge fan of the Mandalorian on uh, Disney Plus, and I mean, yeah, he's a Star like Wars it. guy. Right. I'm going to call him that because that's what that you know he's he when he was interviewed as like uh, introductory interview to the, to the Laker nation. Uh, that was one of the questions, like, what's your nickname? He goes, Vando, of course, Vando is easy from Vanderbilt, but Vandalorian was apparently one. And he was like, well, hopefully the Laker nation comes up with a fun one for us. So Vando, I got you. I'll be on, I'll be working through the brainstorm. We'll, we'll come up with something for you. But right now, uh, he is the most valuable player on this team. It's weird. It's going to be weird for people to hear me say that out loud. We don't win that fucking game without Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, and I think he's been a catalyst to all of the wins that we've had. And I can see him continuing to be that for us uh, as good as Malik Beasley is from uh, a defensive perspective. And his three point shooting is quite good, even though sometimes he shoots one and I'm like, what the fuck mm. was that? Every game, every game, there's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, what? Uh, but mostly he's making those and, and shooting the ball very well and playing good defense. But Jared Vanderbilt is exactly what this team needs. Uh, and the most valuable piece of that trade that we got uh, in, in, in letting Russell Westbrook go. So a lot of excitement should be, should be had for all Laker Nation. And we're still, we, we, we jumped up one seed clips. We're in the 12 seed Baby now. steps, bro. Baby steps. Watch out because next up is the 11 seed. And I, I'm telling you here, I said it, I said it in, in, in previous episodes, we will be in the plan. That's going to happen. We're going to do it. Uh, and, and even if, as you mentioned, LeBron tweaked, uh, tweaked his foot or tweaked his ankle. Yeah. I want to we, talk about that. We now have depth and something I said on the last episode, we now have depth where we did not, we had no, we had no chance. If LeBron wasn't scoring 28 to 35 points, we were going to lose any game that that was happening. And nevertheless, him not playing at all. So now if he goes down and he has to miss a game, we have, we have depth and we're going to obviously we'll miss LeBron James. It's not like we're going to be just fine. And we're going to like, win. We're every fine. We got Malik Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got Vando and Beasley and Hachimura. We'll be no, there'll be no problems. No, it's not, it's not like that, but we do have more answers uh, than we did ever before. If we're going to be on a, a minutes restriction for LeBron James, or if he's going to have to miss a game, the good news about the LeBron James injury is he finished the game. Didn't even come out of the game. And uh, while he, very publicly and loudly in a very, for whatever reason, very quiet Dallas stadium was like, I heard it pop. It's like, dude, how did, how did I, how did I hear you say that? I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in my living room. And I heard mm -hmm. you say out loud, I heard it pop like Dallas. Apparently the fans are confused uh, about what they're seeing as well. Uh, he makes a very strange drive to the basket has like a weird kind of shuffle of his feet and then goes down. And, and for, for, for about a minute clips, I'll, I'll tell you this. I did think the season was over because as much as I can be confident in our role players that we have and, and happy that we have them, we, we absolutely know we're not going to make the plan if we don't have LeBron James for the rest of the season, we can miss him for maybe one game or something like that and still claw out a victory on the back of Anthony Davis. If he's going to perform like he has been uh, recently, but we definitely need LeBron on the court for us to make the run that I think we can make. And for us to really wreak havoc, on whoever the two seed is. And if it's the eight seed and we play Denver, like, you know, if it's the one rather for the eight and the one after we get through the plan, 
Denver is going to take care of us. I don't, I don't think that's going to be a surprise to most people. But if it's the two seed and we face Memphis or we face Sacramento or we face the Clippers, it will be a fucking battle to the death. I guarantee that. I remember sitting at my house with you on our, on our all-star night, and I, we had a long conversation. And I said, I, I, I think LeBron's foot is more hurt than people think. And I think LeBron is very prideful. LeBron does not want to miss these next games, right? Mm. And so when he went down and said he heard something pop, I believe he heard something pop. And yeah, he played the rest of the game, but I see him limp after the game. And yeah, maybe it's LeBron bringing the dramatics with, uh, you know, maybe some foreshadowing to if they lose games. I know you alluded to this earlier. It's a good excuse to have. Well, my foot was hurt. I think I said this a week ago. I think his foot hurts more than people think it does. And then he got hurt with the foot the other night. I personally think, and this isn't me to jinx anything. I think he's going to miss extended time, dude. I think this is going to be something where he misses probably four or five games. That's just my call. I think LeBron, this is a very pivotal time. Like I brought up about Russell Westbrook, this moment right now is very pivotal for LeBron. I know he said these next 23 games are going to be the biggest games of my career. He wants to get into the playoffs, but also if he's hurt after 20 years in the NBA, if this foot is hurt right now, feet do not work well with NBA players. If you have foot problems, doesn't matter if you're the seven footer or not. I think he should be very safe with this. I think if it is a it is an issue and this MRI comes back and it's a you know if it's if it's one game you're going to be fine. I think this is a bigger issue than it is. I think he needs to take the rest and really figure this out. Don't try to be Superman right now. If there's any question about it, that's all I'm saying. If he's good to go and the foot's fine, play. But if there is any any form of damn this might this this could be really bad if i continue playing on it for the next couple of weeks so that's just me i don't know i don't know what it is i just think that it's a bigger problem than people think and i think with the depth that you guys have right now like you had mentioned i think yeah you can survive a couple of games without lebron you know especially if ad's kind of got that fire in his ass right now after having a good game you know um I think you can. So I, I don't know, Drew, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be good to see what happens out of this. Who do you guys have next? Who's your next game? What's your next? We play couple? Memphis tomorrow. Oh boy. Where? That is the, that's a way we're, we're in Memphis. That's a TNT at four 30 Pacific. But then the following game is Oklahoma city. Uh, look, man, we, if he misses a game, I, I'd rather it be sooner rather than later. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe we take the Memphis loss and we just kind of see what AD can do, see what the rest of the guys can do. Uh, we can't be losing to Oklahoma City, right? Like, that's the truth. And then the next game after that is Minnesota. Can't lose that game. Next game after that is Golden State. Can't lose that game. Then we see Memphis again. So maybe that that's when we go back and we go say, hey, we got a full squad. Like, you guys all thought you're puffing your chest out, thinking you can beat us. Let's let's see what you got this night. So I know we're, we're kind of – we're just kind of guessing, right? Mm-hmm. The good news about it is the truth of the matter is he finished that game. And, yeah, he True. walks with a limp. But LeBron is no stranger to theatrics, right? And we all remember, I, don't, I can't remember which postseason it was because he's had so many now, but at the end of the postseason, he came out and said his hand was broken. Was that yeah. Cleveland? That was yeah, Cleveland. He was walking in the tunnel. He was doing it with the, with the hand. It was the Cleveland. It, it, was right. a, it was the Cleveland's last loss to the Golden State Warriors, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, all of a sudden his hand was, hand's been broken for months. <laughs> played through it so look i uh if if these games matter as much as they matter to lebron as much as he says they are publicly then he will be on the court uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow against Memphis. I agree. 
and and he'll go until he can't right and that's and i i want to defend that part and i think something you said is he plays through a lot of injuries i mean mm-hmm. you know you, you don't play 20 years you don't score as many points as you do without playing banged up and i expect him to do that now right like if you if, if these games matter as much as he's saying it does then tie that bitch up get double taped get a brace on it like let's get on the court now I, if there is an actual injury, right? Like if he broke a bone or if there's like a severe sprain or some ligament damage, then fuck it. You know, I get it. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, it, we're probably not winning a championship this year anyway. Right. Like if we're just going to be real about what our chances are, while I can get excited about being in the play in, I'm not fucking stoked that we're dr- like hoping to be a 10 or a nine seed. And I don't think that's going to lead to some magical. You don't Cinderella know that though. Play. It's LeBron and AD. It, it that's depends. exactly why I want him to be in. Right. In, but it, it even still, it's it's not like it's you know something where we're we're right now we're where the Clippers are where the Kings are where we're in the three or four seed and we're looking great and we're beating teams left and right it's not mm-hmm. it's not the year that we've had it's not the year that we're in so if he goes and the doctors say yeah we we you can't we don't want you to risk it because at this age especially foot ankle it could be the end of his career if he mm-hmm. fucks this up and does it the wrong way and and I'd love to see him for one more year with this Anthony at least one more year with this Anthony Davis pairing and now a full roster full of guys that hopefully we can keep. I, I'm not going to go down that road because I'm mm-hmm. terrified that we're going to lose Vanderbilt. I'm terrified. We're going to lose all these guys and try to make some sort of weird trade for Kyrie on a sign and trade. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. I, I expect LeBron to be on the court. I expect for him to carry those theatrics over to the next game against Memphis and be like, look at, look at how much I am doing on a bum ass ankle. <laughs> like he's going to drop 32 and like eight and seven. That's a LeBron thing to do. It, it is. is. And yeah. so I, I think yeah. that fits the narrative clips. Yeah. I think he's just going to tough it out and we're going to beat Memphis tomorrow. You know, one thing that you actually called out on our last show, sometimes we do this, Drew. Sometimes yeah. we just make fantastic calls and then they just happen right after our podcast. <laughs> and you had made uh, a remark about how Nate McMillan was probably going to get fired. You were kind of pushing for Ime Udoka, like where's Ime going to end up? And lo and behold, Nate McMillan gets fired. Trey Young's going to get his third coach now um, in the mix in Atlanta. Quinn Snyder's going to get the job five years five-year deal. I love the, the fact that Quinn's coming back to basketball. He had a nice little sabbatical about a year yeah. off. Right. And got about paid, a, got paid during that year. Got paid very, very well. Um, but this is going to be, again, this is Trey Young's third coach. There's something not working in Atlanta. I mean, they had a good win last night. Trey Young had the, the, the game winner. Yeah. With the, yeah. The buzzer beater, the game winner. Um, there's been some locker room issues uh, as much as Trey Young said, he was surprised by, uh, Nick McMillan getting fired. I call bullshit on that. He was not surprised at all. He was the catalyst to that even happening. And I want to, I want to say something though. Like this is the second time after a coach has been fired that the leader of the team, the guy that makes $200 million, the all-star guy doesn't show up to the media and doesn't want to talk to the media about it. He didn't want to face it because he knows that he's kind of the issue. He's the guy that started the issue, right? You can't do that to the media members and tell them, Oh, you know what? Uh, I think whoever came up, their PR guy came out and said he had to boogie. That's exactly what he said. He had to boogie. He'll he'll talk about it tomorrow. That's bullshit, bro. That's cowering away from your responsibilities as a franchise player. And you could be all butthurt that not making the All Star team for the second year in a row. You could be butthurt that you got ra- that you got ranked twelfth amongst point guards that your peers don't respect you like they should. And he probably is. But you know what? That's your team. You want to go around and talk about this is my city? Well, then then act like it. All right. So a couple things happen. 
with the uh, DeJounte Murray and John Collins came out and had their own uh, their own take on it. Right. So this is what Collins said uh, when he was asked about the situations. He says being held accountable in all the aspects, whether it's in the organization, to the players, to the training staff, weight room. I feel like there that that's where it starts. It's holding people accountable to their job and to their expectations as men on this team. This is the NBA. We're not in college anymore, not in high school. We're expected to come in here and be men and try to win basketball games. Is there a problem with the team? Yeah, I definitely feel like we could do a better job of that. What I'm saying is these guys are answering the questions, right? At least answering the questions that the media is giving them. And what DeJounte Murray did, who's going to be a free agent after next season, when he was asked the question about Nate McMillan, this is what DeJounte said. He said, as soon as I saw the news of McMillan's firing, I immediately called him. He said, we had a great conversation. That's someone I respect as a man, a father, a basketball coach. He's a former player, and I respect that he what he did for the game. I do feel bad because it's not just on Nate. I, I could look in the mirror, and I could be a part of that. I hold myself accountable. It's not just one guy to blame. This is how leaders act on basketball teams. And Trey Young should be the guy doing that. Trey Young should be the first guy doing that. And if he wants full transparency, he should say, yeah, you know what? There was a couple issues. Like, uh, you know, when, uh, and I'm bringing it back to the Clippers, you know, people clip, some of the Clippers were vocal that, you know what? Doc Rivers is kind of, it's kind of an issue here, but the players came out and said it. Trey Young just can't duck the media like this, man. Um, so anyways, that's my take on it. I think Trey is, is a huge talent and the team's going to go as far as Trey takes them. Right. But you have to have these guys bought in also like John Collins has been on the trade block for what seems like 12 years. Okay. <laughs> Figure out what you're going to do with John Collins. All right. And it seems to me like he would be, a, he's a perfect player for Trey young. Trey needs a guy like John Collins and a roller like Capella. And you get this other, this other guard to come in and play with you you want DeJounte to sign to stay there you know what I'm saying so anyways that's just my thought on that I think Quinn's going to be great for the locker room I think he's going to be a really good coach but if your star is not buying in dude we're we're in trouble yeah the Nate McMillan you know it just seems like each coach that that Trey Young has uh there's like a there's a countdown right it just feels like since he's been in the league, there's just like this countdown to where one of the coaches says or does something that rubs him the wrong way or whatever. And then it's like the countdown is on until they're fired until they bring in the new guy. And apparently after this came out, you know, after the news broke that Nate McMillan was fired, there was other news that broke that said that Nate McMillan had been requesting to step down for weeks. <laughs> he wanted out of there for a while, dude. And I I'm done. I am done. Let me step down. And you know what? Uh, they, they got Landry Fields, former NBA player, former Stanford star, former teammate of Lynn Sanity, Jeremy Lynn, when that, all that was going down. Mm -hmm. He's now the GM there, full-time, uh, fully appointed official GM. Him and Corver are both in the front office, right? Corver, uh, I think Corver's assistant GM now. I, yeah, think, I think Landry moved up and Corver is behind him. Okay. I think that's how it goes. I think it, it's Landry and then Corver. But I, yeah. I think Corver's involved. You know, mm -hmm. I might I might be wrong on the assistant GM thing, but Landry Fields is now in charge, right? And and when you have a GM that goes, all right, you know, let's see, let's see what I can dust off here. It's my job to make this work. It's my job to find the pieces that fit. I don't think they could have done better than Quinn Snyder, because Quinn Snyder, at the very least, will be, I would assume, especially with this five-year, eight million dollar a year contract, willing and and ready to hold players accountable. He comes from the Popovich era. Quinn Snyder does. 
and he did a great job of orchestrating the Utah Jazz to be one of the best regular season teams inside year in and year out. Even though he was never able to get them over the hump, now we kind of realize maybe that was due to Rudy Gobert, not so much Quinn Snyder. But uh, great coach, great signing. I thought maybe Ime would go there. You know, maybe maybe that would be somebody that the, that Trey Young would respect and relate to, and and yada yada. But both guys come from the same tree; they come from the same lineage. So I'm not surprised to see Quinn Snyder in there, and I will not be surprised, Clips, if this off season the Atlanta Hawks look completely different. Quinn's going to have whatever, 20, 20 something games to identify the pluses and the minuses, make some tweaks here and there, see what he can get out of these guys. Right now they are in the eight seed. Uh, They're one game back from Miami in the seven. So not all is lost necessarily, right? We saw them, uh, you know, vault into the Eastern conference finals in a year that we didn't think they were going to do jack shit. So it's a long time ago though, dog. Any, yeah, but anything's possible with this team, with this new coach. Trey Young is a is a phenomenal basketball player. DeJounte Murray, very good. Like they have, you look at their team and you go, man, they probably should be better than they are. So maybe Quinn Snyder can dust off the, you know, dust off his coaching whistle, dust off the old uh, drawing board and, and come up with some shit, some different flow. But all, all of this, like your point, is dependent upon Trey Young accepting the challenge that will be put in front of him by Quinn Snyder. I have to assume, I have to assume that Quinn Snyder is going to come at Trey should, should have like a dinner or, or whatever a meeting or however FaceTime, apparently Trey's hard to track down. He's hard to get a hold of. Uh, so however they can communicate that obviously should be number one. Atlanta realizes that they have something special in Trey young. Uh, and for whatever reason, you know, he has not clicked with the, the past head coaches. So I think, you know, it's it's not super likely that Atlanta will trade Trey Young. It's also not out of the realm of possibility that they go, let's see what we can get for Trey Young. Who wants Trey Young? Let's see what we can get. Look at what KD brought. Look at what Donovan Mitchell brought in. Look at what, you know, Gobert, all of the stuff that we've seen in the last couple of seasons. It might be time for them to go, you know what? If you can't fucking hack it with Quinn Snyder, a guy who's proven and a very, very good veteran head coach, then maybe you got to go somewhere else because Atlanta ain't for you. And he could teach the pick and roll. This is a pick and roll coach, right? And this is something that 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 Trey and Capella and Collins and Dejounte could could like thrive from, right? So I'm yeah, with. I it. think the, the the thing the thing that I want to see most happen, and, and something I I kind of assumed we would gonna we were gonna get when they got Dejounte is like more of a Donovan Mitchell Conley relationship, mm-hmm. where Dejounte can be the Mike Conley. And Trey can be the Donovan Mitchell, but, but Trey has, uh, he, he just, he just holds on to that ball. He does not want to give up the basketball. He doesn't want to play off the ball the way that Donovan Mitchell was willing to play off the ball. Uh, hopefully Quinn can like shake him and be like, look, I at least try it. At mm-hmm. least give, give me the last 20 games to, to see if we can make something happen like this and see if you can actually get more out of yourself and the, and the rest of the team by, by fitting into that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see how how uh, Atlanta finishes off this year. I know that you uh, – did you give your flowers to Jared Vanderbilt? Is that your bouquet baller of the week? Is Absolutely. I'll is? do it again. Jared Vanderbilt, you get my flowers again. That's two bouquets. That's a lot of bouquets. You better hope he has a good week this week, man. I don't care. Uh, this is the thing. Like, he can have five points, five assists, and, like, miss all his free – it's the energy and effort. We talk about it all the goddamn time on the show. Mm-hmm. We don't have a whole lot of energy and effort, guys. And we have we have one that every single team, including 
Boston Celtics, the Denver Nuggets, everyone mm-hmm. top to bottom would take Jared Vanderbilt after watching what he's doing for these Lakers. So you got two bouquets for for what's his name? The Vandalorian now? Vandalorian. Vando. Uh, I'm going to give my flowers to a guy that's gotten plenty of flowers over his life, but uh, this is for a non-basketball reason. I'm giving my flowers to James Harden this week mm. because I saw what he did with the, the kid from Michigan State or from, yeah, from Michigan State, right? Uh, with the shooting, there was a, a a kid there that was a huge James Harden fan, ended up being paralyzed from that shooting. And James Harden got wind of it, uh, made sure that he got on a FaceTime with the kid, sent him a bunch of stuff. I know he's going to be in contact with him for uh, a while. And I just think that sometimes those stories don't get told enough. I know it was on social a lot, but a lot of people, even us included, like to throw shade sometimes at James Harden and his antics and like being in strip clubs and stuff like that. But a lot of the stuff that these good things that these guys do, Kyrie included, uh, don't go noticed. And I thought that was big of James Harden. I thought it was really cool because you don't see that from him a lot, I guess. Um, So I just thought he should get flowers for that. And uh, non-basketball related, I just thought it was a really cool thing. So shout out to James Harden for doing that. Um, I like that. I like that shout out a lot. And I think James Harden deserves more of the shout outs. I do think they did a decent job covering it on ESPN. It was on NBA Today. And, and during the, the, the awesome Saturday that was all of the NBA games. Oh, we, haven't, we have latest on LeBron James right now, Drew. We have oh breaking news. We have oh breaking boy. news. Oh boy. Hold on. Hold on. Extended LeBron James right foot likely out multiple weeks. This happens on our show. LeBron James. Likely Who's reporting? Missing. Who's this reporting is, this? This is the athletic sham Sharania. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. It is Lakers. LeBron James likely to miss an extended period of time with right foot injury. Um, that's all I have at the moment right now. Shams reported James miraculously pray, played through the injury that is now expected to require multiple opinions, sources said, and the Lakers are bracing for the absence to be multiple weeks. Boy, oh boy. Well, boy. Shams is Shams is in the is in the pocket of clutch. Uh, so I'm not True. surprised that he was the one breaking that news. True. Uh I will I will wait for those doctors' wow. opinions to come in. Uh, hopefully we got a doctor that says, nah, you're good. <laughs> you're all good, Bron. You're cool. You got this. All right, Vanderbilt, three bouquets, bro. Like let's let more more bouquets for Vanderbilt. We need Vandy all the way. Have Rui Hachimura. Time to time to oh my god. I know just let it sink in for a little bit. That's crazy that with uh, the timing of this podcast, God, we we're we are the pulse of this shit, man. I'm telling you. Give me your final thoughts so we can get out of here. Yeah. Uh, my final thought is I'm just going to, I'm just going to not watch. I'm not going to watch basketball for the rest of the season. Um, God damn it. Okay. Final thought. My final thought is about the Eastern conference, something we don't touch on a lot. We know we just talked about the Hawks, but the Milwaukee bucks have won 14 straight games. Jesus. Right. And, and a couple of those have been without Giannis for all of them or partial games and uh, I just, I, we have to mention them on the show. It feels, you know, it feels like negligent for us not to talk about that, but I want to talk about the East in a, in a bigger sense too. So big shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they're clearly the barometer for me. Every time I see the Bucks play against the team, it's my way of assessing whether or not the team they're playing against is any good. Like that's my barometer. Like, can you, can you hang with the Bucks? Great. Mm-hmm. Then you're probably a pretty good team. You get blown out. No, there's no chance for you. If you beat them, then, hey, whoa, anything's possible. Or maybe it was just one of those good nights. But 
big shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks. I hope Giannis is whatever his knee or leg and then the, the wrist. I, you know, he, you can only play the way that he plays for so many years. So hopefully this is one of those years where he can recoup in these last few games. They're sitting pretty in the in the number two seed, uh, even though they are uh, well, they're only a half game behind Boston, but they have a nice little three and a half game uh, lead on the three seed um, 76ers. Yeah, but you don't want to risk it with Giannis. Like, no, no, no. Hurt, just That's what I'm chill. saying. Like, they have, and they're winning without him. Like, there's, right. there's no pressure for him to return faster than he needs to. Like, what I'm saying is I hope this doesn't, like, bleed into the playoffs where he we have a situation where he gets injured uh, trying to come back too soon or even just in in the last few games or the first round of the playoffs where he re-aggravates something. I'm just hoping that's not going to be the case for Giannis because the Milwaukee Bucks are very, very good. Shout out to Chris Middleton. Shout out to Drew Holiday. Shout out to the you know, Bobby Portis, Jay Crowder, all the Grayson. Give Grayson his love, bro. Grayson, Grayson been, I'll Grayson, take him any day. He puts in a shift, man. I got no yeah. problems with Grayson Allen. He puts in a shift. Um, and so again, what I'm trying to say though is I don't want to just mention the Bucks. I want to mention the entire East because after the exodus that was Kyrie and Kevin Durant, everyone was like kind of done with the East, mm-hmm. right? We're like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess it's just going to be the Celtics and the Bucks. I want to talk about the 76ers, man. They've had, they had a great, <laughs> unbelievable win against uh, Memphis. And, and then they almost had another crazy shot going from Embiid from three quarter court. Uh, and, and, uh, he unfortunately missed that game, that shot. But the reason I want to bring up the East is, is this shit is open, bro. I mean, granted the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks, you will have to go through one of those two teams, if not both to get into the finals. Like, you know, though, that's where the East is right now. It's those two teams. But if you're the 76ers, if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, you know, Miami, yeah. oh God, I just I keep thinking that eventually they're going to turn it on and it's just not happening for no. them. But really, I guess the point is that if you're the Cavs of the Sixers, fucking like bust Play. your ass, right? Go bust your ass right, right now. Anything is possible. If Giannis can't come back for whatever reason, he comes back too soon and then he's out. You got a shot at this thing, you know, and, and you Embiid, want that Embiid three seed. You, you want that three seed, man. That's the one to go for. Well, in Milwaukee or or Boston, really should want the one, right? Because you mm. want to just avoid and beat. You want to avoid and beat if you right. can't. Right? So that's 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 the truth of the matter, though. Is the Sixers and James Harden going off of your final thought? Uh, they're they're right there. You can see it, man. They they have some issues. You know, each one of these games, something is happening. They're in these tight games against a lot of teams that maybe you think they should be winning, uh, you know, by bigger margins. But Joel Embiid is playing phenomenal basketball, right? We talked about Dame Lillard at the guard position. We talked about Kawhi Leonard at the forward. Joel Embiid is playing the best basketball at a center position. I know the Jokic is kind of always in the picture and his efficiency numbers are tremendous and all this other shit, but I don't think you can say that Embiid is playing worse right. than Nikola Jokic, especially on the defensive end, which is something that Jokic lacks. Uh, so this kind of bleeds into a team conversation and an MVP conversation I, I think Joel Embiid might actually get the MVP this year if his team can make a full fucking run right now. If the Sixers can put the fucking pedal to the metal and win out these games and maybe, maybe start to creep into that two seed, if possible, the Bucs aren't slowing down at all, but who knows? Maybe Embiid might actually get his MVP that he so desperately deserved. And uh, I don't think he's deserved it like more than Jokic. I think Jokic is incredible. Uh, but we we don't have three peat MVPs in the NBA. We just don't. It doesn't something that doesn't happen. I think we're going to get voter fatigue. I think Embiid sees it. 
I think he's playing tremendous basketball. His block against John Morant when, mm. when the game was on the line was phenomenal. Mm. Uh, I just I I, I want to see Philly put it together, and I think even if they finish in the three or the four seed and they don't, and Embiid doesn't win MVP, they should be looking at this postseason as an opportunity. They have they have a chance here. They have a fucking squad. Yeah, I'm with you on that 100%. I think they should, I think Embiid should get the trophy this year. Just give him the damn trophy. All right. Get this off so we can stop talking about it. He deserves <laughs> it. Right. He's just as good as Joker. He really is. Like, yeah. what, what he lacks in passing, he makes up for on defense, what Joker does, you know? So I, I'm all for that. And it should be really exciting. But at some, at some point in the back of your head, you just think Doc's going to mess something up at some point, right? Like something's. <laughs> As a Clipper fan, that's what you, that's what you're thinking about. They they play really well. I've watched a lot of Philly this yep. year. I think James Harden really understands his role there. They're using Maxi the the right way. Uh, so Tobias has been great uh, as of lately. Once yes. Dybul's kind of out of there and whatnot, Tobias has been great. He's been a great third option, fourth option for them. Um, always been a big fan of Toby. So that's a good final thought, Drew. My final thought is going to be somewhat of a question. All right. So it came out today. They're doing a lot with the CBA. They're coming up with new things that they want to implement and whatnot. So it was reported today that the NBA is thinking about implementing a target score in overtime games next season and on. Oh, uh, shit. I know. Based upon basically what happened in the Clipper Sacramento game. <laughs> and I want to say like, I, I think that's that's fun to bring up in the conversation and whatnot, but I hate it. I don't want to do that. I believe in overtimes. I believe in you have five minutes to to have the most points at the end of the game. I don't like target score just based on the point, the fact that it could be one minute left in the game and you're down, you're down seven. You can still come back and win the game. So I'm not for it. I think it's interesting that they're bringing it to the forefront. What do you think about it? I think I think if that if that rules in place, we don't get the phenomenal game that we just talked about right. for 20 minutes on this show. Right. If that rules in place, we are robbed of the second, maybe first or second best regular season game in NBA history. Right. This is a terrible move. I understand the reasoning, right? They're, they're 82 game schedule. Uh, there's a lot of wear and tear on these boys. And and when you play double overtime, it's like a whole nother whatever quarter of basketball. Fuck that shit. Reduce, so what, the, though? reduce so what? the fucking schedule down to 75 or 72 games mm -hmm. before you reduce the end of regulation to some bullshit score that looks that's awesome for the TBT tournament in the middle of the summer when no one gives a shit uh, or, or for the all star game. All of that's cool. But when you're talking wins and losses that matter for playoffs, that matter for all these other things. No, do not take that away from us. We already have to, as fans, deal with these players missing fucking games. Mm -hmm. Don't take away the pressure that the clock adds to the game. Facts. Don't take that away from us, too. Reduce the fucking games. Pony ups out of your goddamn billionaire pockets. Don't fucking do this. I'm with you, Drew. Clips of Drew hate this decision. Terrible. You took the words right out of my mouth, Drew. Good call. Hopefully, uh, on our next show, we're going to have a KD game under our belt. Maybe yeah. we'll get to be able March to talk 1st. about... Well, I'm not sold on Phoenix yet. I need to see March it first, 1st, baby. March March first. That's in th that's in three days, right? Yeah. Two days. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not ready to talk about Phoenix yet because I want to I want to see how it works. I'm not sold yet. I get it. I get yeah. KD's coming to the team, but I I want to see it work. What kind of De what what does this mean with DeAndre Ayton? You know what I'm saying? It should be really interesting because that throws a major kink in the West, man. <laughs> KD really throw. We we haven't even talked about it. It throws a major kink in the West. So I'm really interested to see. We'll see what's happening with LeBron. See if the Clippers can pull it back together. But we're gonna be back soon. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, and we're Ghost. You know what it is. You know